Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. May God's word shape and form us. So if you see me in the middle of the sermon pointing and laughing, that's because I'm pointing at someone who came in thinking they're on time or even early, but they actually didn't set their clock. So we'll shame them as they come up. Just kidding. So we are continuing our Lent series called Road to Renewal. And during this series, we uh, follow what's called the lectionary. And the lectionary is just a kind of a schedule of scriptures that the worldwide church reads. And so there's usually an Old Testament version, a New Testament passage, uh, a gospel passage, and a psalm. And so we follow that. And as we're following that and um, reading through that, uh, those scriptures, it's comforting and it's encouraging to know that there are many churches across this country and across the world that are looking at the same passages. Uh, we don't always follow the lectionary. Sometimes we go, we do a series on a book or uh, a, a thematic series. Uh, but for Lent, as we wait in these 46 days, uh, now I, I guess we're more than half, almost halfway through, halfway through um, towards Easter, uh, we're going to be looking at um, these passages. So today's passage is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. First, I wanted to ask all of us a question, and that's what do you smell like? What do you smell like? And for me, I think my sense of smell is really accentuated and really strong because my memories, and I, I think many of our, all of our memories and thoughts and feelings are oftentimes attached to certain smells, right? Certain odors, certain scents. Back in, back in the day, if I would you know, smell hair or the perfume, and it would remind me um, of that person. And then, you know, 10 years later, you know, I'd smell the same thing. I'd be like, oh, that takes me back to those days. Or if I smell garlic and, you know, like kimchi or whatever, oh, this smells like my refrigerator growing up at home, right? And remembering my friends who, in Texas, who are not Asian, who are not Korean, coming to my home and opening up the refrigerator and this waft of garlic just hitting their nose and like, what is that? And having to explain and kind of being ashamed of that, but scents, odors, 
carries so much. You go and eat in Seattle, there's a lot of pho restaurants, right? Vietnamese noodles. But the thing I don't like about eating pho is that after you come out of the restaurant, you're gonna smell like pho the rest of the day. You smell like, or if you ate fajitas, you'll smell like fajitas for the rest of the day. You'll smell like meat and onions or whatever. Just the strong odor of food in your clothes. Or if you eat garlic, it's actually coming out of your pores, right, all day. Or curry, curry, like just comes out of your pores, right? And so the question again is, what do you smell like? What do you smell like? Right? And certain family members or certain households or certain cultures have a distinct smell, right? Oh, I smell onions, I smell garlic, I smell you know, Korean food, I smell Indian food, I smell whatever food on you. That's the odor of home, the scent of home. And as I read this passage, um, I think about scents, like smells and odors that help us to identify us or identify the place from which we come or the restaurant you just ate in, right? I think when Paul is talking about a way of the world that you once lived, right? A way of life that you once had. And then now, because of Jesus Christ having a new way or a new life, it's almost like you have just moved from one house into another house, right? As if I got adopted from one house and moved into another house. And this house, Right? Had its furniture set in one way, the tables were in one way, the refrigerator contained certain things, and there was a certain odor of that home. And then in this new house, all the furniture is rearranged in a different way. Right? The counters are lined up this way. The dining room table is over here. It might be two stories or it might be a rambler. Right? And, and the refrigerator is a different set of food and a different set of odors. And maybe there's incense burning and different candles. And it's pine-scented candles versus vanilla-scented candles. I like vanilla versus pine. But it's different. And so when you move into a different place or a different home, you adjust. And the way that you live is different. And the way that you smell is different. Because of Christ's saving work, you are alive. We are alive because of Jesus Christ. And in one sense, we're taking a step uh, forward, right? In Lent, it's a season where we're awaiting the resurrection of Christ. We're kind of in, in lament, in sorrow, on the journey in the desert, right? In the wilderness for these 40 days. Just as Christ was in the wilderness, we're walking we're walking on the road to renewal, and we're on our way, just as Jesus was, towards suffering and death. And then Easter is like the celebration of his resurrection and life. But this passage takes us forward, ahead of that, because actually every Sunday that we go to and worship God and read the Bible and celebrate together is actually many Easter's. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Did you know that in the church? The reason why we come on Sunday is because every Sunday 
It was Resurrection Sunday, and you, you may have heard the videos on YouTube. It's Friday, right? But Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. You may be suffering. You may be hurting. Things may be sorrowful. There may be things to lament and weep and cry about. But you know what? Sunday, we celebrate the victory that is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that Jesus saves. And as the song said, our God has robbed the grave. That's such a great line. Our God has robbed the grave. Awesome. Have we sung that song yet? Maybe it's a later song. It's what we're doing after. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> well, when we sing that song, it's a great line. But we, we are looking ahead. As Paul is saying, because of Jesus and Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection, this new thing is true about us. Also in this passage, there's a tension. And the tension that we all may hold is one that is, we're saved by grace. There's nothing that we can do. Right? Jesus has done all the work. God has done all the work. God is the one who saves. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, right? So no person can boast, right? That's what Paul writes. There's a tension between that and in order that, right? We're saved in order that. Paul is setting up this in order that you may do good works. I mean, that's how he ends in verse 10. God has prepared in advance for us to do the good works at Christ Jesus. So which is it, right? We don't do anything, but we're supposed to do good works. We don't do anything, so we don't boast, but we're supposed to do good works. And I think the way that Paul resolves this is by using peripateo, which is the Greek word for walking. This, this theme of walking. It's not about, again, this list of tasks or this list of rules that we follow and that's what saves us that's what makes us righteous but it's about an identity does that make sense when we are in Christ when we are with Christ we change houses we go from this refrigerator to this refrigerator we go from this set of furniture to this set of furniture we go from this household to this household and Paul's point is that every household has an overlord, has a lord. This household has a lord or the head of the household. And this household has a lord and the head of the household. And when we move from one household to the next, our smells change, our furniture change, our food change. We emit a different odor because we, here we emit the odor of this ruler. And here we emit the odor of this ruler. Right? And he's saying, basically, in the past, you stank. <laughs> you stank so bad. What does he say? Right? As for you, before Christ, you were born uh, dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh 
and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature serving McGrath. Verse 2, I'm going to focus in. We used, we used to live in the ways of this world. And I think the, the use in the NIV of the ways of this world is kind of weak. Uh, because the real word is, the Greek word is aeon, aeon. Which basically means kind of like realm, right? Or reality. It's not just, oh, these are the ways of, these are the ways of the policeman. Or these are the ways of single men. <laughs> these are the ways of children under nine. Right? It's not just like a set of standards and like customs and protocols. It's more like you are living in a house with a, with a, with a culture, with an ethos, but more like it's spiritual as well. It's a, it's a reality, right? It's a spiritual reality and realm. And that's why the, he names out the ruler. In this realm, there's a ruler, the kingdom of the air, right? The overlord over this aeon, right? It's more than a culture. It's a, it's a reality. And part of being in that reality or living under in that cloud and that reality is that we lived in death and we lived in wrath and we gratified the cravings of our flesh and followed the desires and the thoughts. But Paul, in one of the greatest turns in all of the New Testament, in verse 4, says, But God. In a different version, it's the but and the God are together. There's a space in between them, but I like this. But God, you stink. But God, right? You were horrible and wrathful, and you lived a life turned in on itself, right? And you consumed, people consumed one another. You destroyed one another. You couldn't say no to your fleshly desires, right? You were addicted to anti-love. And you stank of that. It was in your clothes. Right? You walked around, people could smell it. That's, whoa, that's death and darkness and dinginess. But then in verse 4, but God and His grace and His mercy, God who is rich in mercy, God because of His great love, these are all phrases of abundance, images of abundance. God is great in his love for us. God is rich in his mercy. And God made us alive with Christ. And I, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home, so I was excited to get out of the house. And I thought, now I can finally live, right? I'm tired of being the Sunday school PK, do everything right kid. It's so boring to be a Christian, right? Because I can't smoke, I can't drink, I can't dance, I can't listen to this and that. That's how I felt growing up, right? And, and when I hit college, I was like, finally, woo! Right? But at the end of the day, after all the woo, it's like the hangover. Oh, this isn't life. Right? 
Because those things you think are life disappoint you. And you get that sinking feeling at the end like, no, it actually was a vampire that sucked the life out of me. And God is saying, in Christ, I'm not a vampire. I actually pump life into you. And you're like, you're alive. We are made alive in Christ. Amen? And I think the church, as a church, as a community, we need to reflect this. Right? We need to reflect this. We are alive in Christ. Sometimes we come to church and we're like, I'm so tired. It's daylight savings. I lost an hour. Oh, I gotta sing. Praise God. Hey, give me some more coffee. And the pews, oh, these pews. Oh. You are made alive in Christ. This is a reality. This is awesome. He's injected, injected your soul with some spiritual rock and roll, right? And it's amazing and good, and we have a gift. And it's by grace that we've been saved. But the reality of that is that we're walking in that. We're walking in Christ. It's the peripateo, right? When you're walking in the way, in the realm of Christ, when you're living in the household of Christ, you have new clothing. You have a new way. You have a new rhythm, right? You have a new scent and odor. And this affects how you live out there, right? It says God has prepared good works for us to do. And this is the natural outpouring of what it means to walk in Christ. And so much of, I think, Western Christianity has turned everything, faith and salvation, into transaction, right? You believe, you do this, you're saved. When really, it's about identity. Faith is about identity. Who do you claim? Whose house do you live in? And that's a big difference, right? And so when we take kind of our proclivity to be individualist, it's non-sequitur with the gospel, right? Because as individuals, we can make these rational decisions and choices for ourselves, but Paul and, and God is talking about a way, right? A system. And so that's why we can call the evil one the ruler of the kingdom of the world. Just think about institutional racism and injustice, for instance. Right? When you take a one-on-one -on -one sin, me and Andrew, I hit him, and he's like, you have sinned against me. Right? That's individual. But when you take a system or a power, and you have a, you know, a systemic oppression against one people, for instance, like racism, you know, injustice. That, that that system, systemic oppression becomes a reality in of itself. That institutional sin and racism actually becomes like animated, is alive, becomes a breathing creature. And we either feed that creature or we cut off that creature. We either stand against it 
or you don't. It like grows a face and a persona. And that's how it works. And that's why some of our discussions about justice and oppression don't, don't match with one another. Because some people are talking about individual interactions and other people are talking about, it's the air we breathe, right? The air is heavy, it's heavy. We were living in one house, and because of Jesus, we transferred to another house. Christ is now your overlord. Christ is now your master. But he's a good master, and he's a good lord, and he's rich in mercy and grace, and he's abundant in love. And our lives will necessarily change. Our way of living will necessarily change. It will change as long as you continue to walk in Christ because we are made alive in Christ. And in Christ, we begin to do what we were made for, right? If, I was made, if I'm an artist in my identity, in my gifts, I will paint, I will write, I will sing because I'm an artist. Right? In Christ, if you are walking in Christ and you have the odor of Christ and his household, you will love, you will serve, you will love your neighbor, you know, you will forgive, you will be merciful, you'll do the things that Jesus does. Amen? It flows out. And this is why we say we are renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods that renew. Basically, God is about transforming us and changing us and shaping our identity. And in so doing, we become like him. Right? We, be, we begin to love our neighbors. We begin to love our family members. We begin to love our brothers and sisters who just drive us up the wall right? and know how to push those buttons. They're like, ah, I just want to avoid them. You know, call them every 10, a year or two. But because God has renewed us and changed us, we can come in with a different approach and say, hey, let's, let's start making new patterns. Let's start living life differently. We stank before. We reaped before. But now that Christ has come, and because Christ has saved us, and because we are walking in Christ, and because he's the ruler of our new house, this new realm into which we've been transferred, we live differently. We can live differently and in hope. Um, so the second part of this chapter, chapter two, Paul actually uses oikos a lot. I think, you know, several, several times. And oikos means household. And he, he's talking about, this is where he talks about you Gentiles and us are being built up together into one household, Christ's body, the church. Right? There are walls, there are barriers of hostility, but I'm making it into one household. And that is an awesome section because it talks a lot about reconciliation and, and the church coming together, two different sides coming together and being one church one household. But Paul, in this first section, our section, is setting that up. Setting the foundation of 
for a ministry of reconciliation. He's saying Christ is the foundation of that. Because what Christ does, he sets forth a new reality, a new way to live, a shalom in which we all choose and become closed into a new family. And he's saying, this makes all the difference. Jesus makes all the difference. Breathe it in. Right? Wear it. Spray it on like bad cologne. Right? The odor of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and for your truth and for your saving work, for your love uh, and your sacrifice. Um, to look down and see the world and see how people were hurting and were hurt by sin and to see darkness and um, destruction and war and wrath and, and then to come and sacrifice your, yourself so that there would be another way because you robbed the grave because you confronted death and were victorious. So we give you thanks and we give you praise that we have another way to live. And we want to walk with you. Help us in the places that we fail and we still turn to um, the old old stench. I pray that you will renew us daily. We believe that you do renew us daily, even when we stumble, because of your great grace and mercy. In your name we pray. Amen.